The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. On January 12, 2018, 47-year-old Jeff West and his 42-year-old wife, Kat, enjoyed a date night in their small Alabama city. It would prove to be an unforgettable evening, not from all the drinking and dining, but because Kat would not live to see the next sunrise. Initially, it was unknown whether Kat's death was a tragic accident or something malicious. Investigators learned that what seemed like a cut-and-dry case would eventually amount to a maze of uncertainty. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case involving Cat West. case takes us to Calera, Alabama, a small city in Shelby County, 30 miles south of Birmingham. Because of its location in the center of the state, Calera is known as the heart of the heart of Dixie. According to the city's website, Calera has many of the conveniences of city living, but at a small town pace. It's clear that people are drawn there. Between the 2000 and 2010 census, its population nearly tripled. This makes it one of the state's fastest-growing small cities. While the affordability of housing carries a huge draw, the crime rate in Calera is remarkably high. According to the website City Data, as of 2018, crime in the area is over two times higher than the U.S. average. The high rate could be explained by growing population density. More people means a higher potential for crimes to be committed. But just like in the rest of the country, the most common illegal act is property crime, not murder. Though Cat West wasn't native to the area, she came to call Kalira home. <music> Kathleen Dawn West, known as Cat, was born on February 15, 1975, in Tampa, Florida. Little is known about Cat's father. When she was still in elementary school, her mother, Nancy, met and married John Martin. A few years later, the family moved to Alabama. As Kat approached her teenage years, she fixated on her appearance. Marilyn Monroe was her absolute idol. And when Kat began to dabble in modeling, she tried to recreate the actress's hairdos and poses. Despite aspirations to showcase her good looks, Kat was deeply insecure. She struggled with constant self-doubt, bouts of debilitating depression and self-isolation. Her mother and stepdad pursued counseling, though Kat struggled to find a therapist she bonded with. Eventually, Kat was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and put on medication, and she continued on a path of amateur modeling. In 2004, Kat met a man named Jeff West at a Super Bowl party of a mutual friend. They struck up a conversation and soon discovered they worked in the same building. Jeff's army recruitment office was just a few doors down from the tanning salon where Kat worked. Born William Jeffrey West, Jeff had a strong military background. While enlisted in the U.S. Army, he worked with military police as an investigator. 
After being honorably discharged, Jeff was employed as a campus security officer at Birmingham Southern College, or BSU. He was quickly promoted to corporal with the police force on campus. They say opposites attract, and that was definitely the sentiment shared by Kat's closest friends. While Kat had a carefree personality and was known to her friends as the life of the party, Jeff was a straight-laced military vet with a workaholic mindset. Still, Kat insisted it had been love at first sight. After just four months of dating, the couple got married in Las Vegas. Although their speedy marriage may have seemed like a recipe for disaster to some, Kat and Jeff remained together. For the first few years of their marriage, the couple moved all over the country for Jeff's job. One of Kat's friends, Brittany Dreisler, first met Kat in Southern California, where she lived with Jeff for a time in 2011. Brittany's husband was thinking about enlisting. She would later tell 48 Hours, I was like, that guy pulled that girl? You know, it never really made sense to me until I started getting to know them more. A year into marriage, Jeff and Kat had their daughter, Logan, who many called Lola. Kat absolutely loved being a mother. She was a doting stay-at-home mom, a self-described full-time wife and mommy on her Facebook account. That was the more public-facing side of her life. But Kat had another online persona, one that differed drastically from her traditional maternal image on Facebook. Though she didn't necessarily try to hide this identity, not everyone knew about this part of her life. Online, Kat became a bolder version of herself as Kitty Cat West. Kat created an OnlyFans account devoted to this persona, where she shared racy photos with basic subscribers at a rate of $15.99 per month. For an extra fee, users could request nudes or explicit photos. Since Kat was an exhibitionist, she loved the attention that came with it. The extra monthly spending money was also a nice bonus. Like many content creators on OnlyFans, Kat used her Instagram and Twitter accounts to post teaser shots. These were meant to increase the flow of customers. And it worked. Kat had over 50,000 followers on Instagram alone. She found a moderate degree of success on OnlyFans, landing several hundred followers. While some men would be too jealous to allow their wife to share provocative photos with other men, Jeff seemed fully on board with it. In fact, he often helped her take the photos. In late December, Kat got breast augmentation surgery, which Jeff fully supported. The enhancement was done in an effort to take her career to a higher level. It was evident that Kat had no intention of stepping away from the limelight. She was full speed ahead. Although the couple appeared to be vastly different from one another, Jeff and Kat did have one thing in common their fondness for alcohol. As their daughter Lola inched toward her middle school years, she grew more independent and Kat responded by indulging in far more drinking. Even though Kat was medicated for bipolar disorder, she had a history of binge drinking. As her mother Nancy told the Alabama Daily News, she could not drink just one drink, so it wasn't unusual for Kat to outdrink her husband often clutching the bottle long after Jeff was down for the count. 
On January 12, 2018, Jeff and Kat had a date night. At least once a month, they planned to spend quality time together by having a fun night out. By this time, they had been married for almost 14 years and hoped to keep their connection alive by maintaining an occasional night out as a couple. Lola, who was 12 years old at the time, had been dropped off with Jeff's parents. Jeff and Kat started the night with a romantic dinner at the Papado Seafood Kitchen, followed by drinks at the Red Zone Bar and Grill. On the way home, the pair made a pit stop at R&R Wine and Liquor, where they purchased a bottle of Jameson and Lucid Absinthe. After arriving home, they continued drinking. While heavily intoxicated, Kat posed in all pink lingerie with pink stilettos while Jeff snapped some pictures. What happened next remains a mystery. If there's a product that makes getting on a healthier track easier, I am all in. With Gainful, you get personalized nutrition that's uniquely formulated for your body and goals. When I decided to try Gainful, I took the quick and easy quiz on the Gainful website, and right away I had nutrition supplement recommendations that were based on exactly what my body needs. From there, Gainful shipped the supplements to me free of charge. I immediately opened the box and read the ingredients, and I was impressed to see that all of the ingredients in my protein and hydration supplements were clean. There were no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. Gainful is not only helpful in reaching and maintaining your nutritional goals, but also a great value. Gainful customers get free access to registered dietitians who are available anytime, one-on-one, to answer your health questions. To get $20 off your personalized supplements, go to gainful.com murderish. That's gainful.com murderish for $20 off. Gainful personalized nutrition made for your taste. There's a reason why I've been telling you guys about Beta Brand for so long. When I find a product that actually makes an impact on my life, I want to share it with everyone. Beta Brand is a clothing company that makes dress pants, denim, and joggers that feel like yoga pants, but they're professional, stylish, and ready to wear anywhere. I now own two pairs of Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants, and two pairs of Beta Brand Yoga Denim. I can wear my dress pant yoga pants to the office or on a night out with friends. And the best part is that they don't dig into my sides or make me feel restricted in any way. That's because Beta Brand designs their clothing with style, functionality, and comfort in mind. You can move around freely in Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants and their yoga denim. It's just like wearing your favorite pair of yoga pants only better. They have a new restorative collection that features clothing that is made for living and working in. Beta Brand's Soho joggers are totally on trend and easy to dress up or down. Right now, my listeners can get 30% off their first Beta Brand order when you go to betabrand.com slash murderish. That's 30% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash murderish. Discover what it's like to be comfortable and confident all the time. Go to betabrand.com slash murderish for 30% off. At around 5 o'clock the next morning, 19-year-old McCorsha Purifoy was about to leave for work. 
She lived across the street from the West in a house she shared with her parents. As she started to drive, she spotted something alarming. What appeared to be a body lying partially in the road. In a panic, the girl called her parents and then all of them returned to the scene. One of them called 911. Three Calera police officers responded to the call. Luigi Regazzoni, Brandon Myers, and Sergeant Mike Maloff. At the scene, they encountered the body of a woman who was lying face down. The victim's head and upper body were lying in the gutter while her legs were sprawled across the neighbor's lawn. The woman, soon confirmed to be Cat West, was only wearing a sports bra when she was found. A few feet away from her body, which was located across the street from the West Greenwood Circle home, was a large pool of blood. Another pool of blood trailed downhill from the neighbor's grass. One unusual detail that drew the attention of first responders was something that appeared next to the body. A bottle of lucid absinthe was resting at an angle on top of Kat's cell phone screen, as if it had been planted there. Kat's very public death came as a shock to the Calera community. The notion that someone could be killed just a few feet away from their own home and then left lying in the gutter put everyone on edge. The loss was felt deeply by Kat's family, especially her mother, Nancy Martin. The website for In Touch Weekly shared the statement Nancy posted on her late daughter's Facebook page. It read in part, It seems so impossible for the extreme sadness and grief we feel at the loss of our beautiful daughter, Kat, to ever diminish or decrease. So much negativity is out there, but with God, all I see and hear is the goodness of my cat. In the post, she asked for donations to help cover the cost of Kat's services, but added, If you're not able to make a donation, we ask for prayers. Neighbors also reacted strongly to the news, though at this point they didn't fully understand what had transpired. The general sentiment was how tragic Kat's death was for her daughter, Lola. One neighbor, Xavier Lee, told Fox 5 News, this child does not have their mother anymore. Don't know why, don't know what happened that led up to the incident, but to wake up to that news, it makes you think. It's shocking that it happened so close to home, so all you can do is worry and think about your family, and that's all I've been doing. Right away, both local communities and online forums of armchair detectives attempted to piece together what happened. From Facebook to Reddit threads, as more details emerged during the investigation, there were some strong opinions expressed about how Cat West lost her life. The case only grew more puzzling as additional information was made public. It was only after Cat died that her mother learned of the existence of Kitty Cat West. As surprising as it was to learn of her daughter's source of income, Nancy was more focused on finding out what happened to her. The Calera Police Department worked closely with neighboring police units throughout the investigation. Kat's lifestyle was considered very controversial by the conservative residents of Calera. Early on, investigators wondered if her adult-only subscription site played a factor in her death. 
Could an overzealous fan or social media follower have tracked her down? Could the wrong person have discovered her risque images and killed her in a rage? While this was a unique angle to consider, there was no indication that a stranger had been involved. Detectives started with the most likely suspect, Jeff West. He had been the last one to see his wife alive the night she was killed. If he didn't do it, it was likely that he had information that he wasn't sharing. Throughout the investigation, Jeff was described as being cooperative. He even allowed detectives to search his and Kat's cell phones without them needing to obtain a search warrant. Jeff stayed at the Calera police station for nearly eight hours at a time in the days that followed, where he was subjected to relentless police questioning about the events of the night. According to Jeff's account, after returning home, drinking, and doing an impromptu photo shoot with Kat, he had gone to sleep around 10.30 p.m. Kat stayed up and continued to drink, which again was not unusual for her. He speculated that his wife went outside and fell at some point in the night. Jeff then told detectives he awoke around 5 in the morning to his dog's barking and the sound of police sirens. Confused, he wandered through the house looking for Kat. He then called her cell phone but got no answer. This prompted him to search outside of the house, which is when he discovered his wife was dead. The testimony of one witness, the neighbor who found Kat's body, completely undermined Jeff's story. She said she saw a man pacing inside the West home long before the police had arrived. Investigators pulled surveillance video from the liquor store that Kat and Jeff visited on their date night. They were looking for any sign of discord between them. Instead, Kat could be seen laughing on camera while Jeff touched her flirtatiously. After viewing the footage, detectives believed that everything was harmonious leading up to the deadly incident. They theorized an argument about Kat's OnlyFans account began around the time Jeff was capturing photos of her. Perhaps he had angrily tossed her phone outside the front door, which landed in the street. When Kat ran outside to retrieve the phone, Jeff followed her with the absinthe bottle in tow and used it to deliver a blow to her head that proved fatal. With Jeff's career background, he would have had a working knowledge of how to clean up evidence from a crime scene in order to avoid detection. The narrative investigators developed was prompted by several pieces of evidence. According to Medium, fingerprints pulled from the lucid absinthe bottle matched Jeff's. Steve Johnson, Pelham Police Evidence Unit Supervisor, also noted dried blood on the bottom of the bottle and a small chip in the glass. In total, 40 items were taken from the house to undergo blood and DNA testing. This included a bloody towel taken from the couple's master bedroom, as well as a white tank top pulled from a laundry basket. While both items tested positive for cat's blood, it was impossible to know how long the bloodstains had been on the items. There was also data pulled from the health app on both cell phones. The features in the app allowed detectives to trace the timing of Cat and Jeff's movements that night. According to a Medium article, Cat's final movement had occurred on January 12th from 10.45 to 10.54 p.m., 
for a distance of 0.4 miles. No additional movement was detected until the following morning when police took Kat's phone into evidence. Jeff's phone, however, according to the same article, recorded his last movement on January 12th between 11.03 and 11.10 p.m. when he walked 18 steps. This time frame completely contradicted the time that Jeff claimed to be asleep. He said previously that he was asleep at 10.30 that night, which was 35 minutes before his health app showed that he was walking around. On the day Kat's body was discovered, January 13th, Jeff's app revealed more movement between 5.12 and 5.22 a.m. While the health app data was helpful in assessing Jeff's alibi, it's possible Kat or Jeff just weren't holding their phones at various points in the night or early morning. But the facts that did not align with the investigator's narrative were baffling. There had been no blood or DNA found on Jeff's clothing or hands. There was also no liquor spilled anywhere around the scene. Additionally, there were no signs of a struggle inside or outside of the home. As officers combed through text messages, they only saw glimpses of conflict, typical for a marriage as long as theirs. It was possible the relationship was unstable, as some text messages suggested their marriage was on the rocks. And yet other exchanges revealed love and intimacy between them. When asked about his marriage, Jeff said there was some level of dissatisfaction with their sex life. Kat was far more sexual than he was, but he perceived the OnlyFans account as her outlet for any sexual frustration. At that point, detectives considered a potential motive. Despite Jeff insisting there was no history of violence in their relationship, perhaps Jeff was secretly jealous of his wife's online interactions with other men. As reported in the Advance Local, Jeff responded that there's nothing to be jealous about. Me and her were in a good spot. A Medium.com article stated that Jeff added, It's just pictures. She got money for it. Nancy Martin, Kat's mother, was also brought in for questioning. She had last seen her daughter two days before her death, when she and John had driven her to a follow-up appointment for the breast augmentation surgery. Nothing had seemed unusual about Kat's behavior. What made this case even more unusual was that Nancy sided with her son-in-law, Jeff. She believed Kat's death had been a complete accident. Nancy told the advance local, He didn't do this. He's a good man. He loved her with all his heart. But two investigators, the most likely culprit was Jeff, and on February 22, 2018, he was arrested and charged with murder. Jeff's bond was set at half a million dollars, and he entered a plea of not guilty. The global pandemic caused several delays in Jeff's case. He spent nearly three years in Shelby County Jail before his case went to trial. The week-long trial finally began on November 17, 2020, at the Shelby County Circuit Court. Due to social distancing measures in place for COVID-19, jury selection had been held at a large arts center. For the trial, jury members were split into two courtrooms, where they viewed testimony via live stream. 
In opening statements cited by the Shelby County reporter, Assistant DA Daniel McBrayer pointed to the potential motive of Kat's excessive drinking and her use of social media being drivers for her husband to kill her. To solidify the point that Jeff was awake when he claimed to be asleep, McBrayer kept repeating the phrase, she saw a man pacing inside his home, in reference to the 911 caller. But Jeff's defense attorney, John Robbins, opened by saying there had been no murder and that the victim's cause of death had not been determined. The defense shared a timeline of the day. When Kat died, the defense shared a timeline of the day when Kat died, which was provided by Jeff. According to Jeff's account, as captured in the Shelby County Reporter, on the morning of January 12, 2018, he had taken their daughter to school. Jeff grabbed some breakfast at McDonald's before spending the day hunting with his father. He returned home around 5.30 p.m. when Lola left with her grandfather. His date night with Kat began shortly after. Jeff repeated that he went to bed around 10.30 that night. He said his leg had been bothering him from an army injury and he needed rest. The prosecution countered by presenting the health app data from Jeff's phone which seemed to show that he was awake well past 10.30 p.m. Other testimony muddied the defendant's timeline even further. A representative from the alarm company ADP stated they were alerted that the front door of Jeff and Kat's home was opened at 1.51 a.m. and wasn't closed again until 5 a.m. Physical evidence, including crime scene and autopsy photos, were presented throughout the trial alongside expert testimony. State medical examiner Dr. Stephen Boudreau explained that the two-inch laceration on the victim's skull was surrounded by contusions. As paraphrased in the advance local, the force of the blow and subsequent bleeding in the brain pushed the brain down to the stem with deadly results. Dr. Boudreau went on to say, it was a considerable amount of force to cause an injury like that. Scalp wounds bleed like mad. The brain is a very vascular structure. When prosecutor Ben Fuller asked whether it was possible to obtain that type of injury from a fall, the doctor said it was very unlikely. Cat was a petite five foot two inches tall. The injury she suffered had been enough to fracture her skull. When asked if she could have been injured elsewhere and wandered from the backyard or the house to the street, Dr. Boudreaux replied that with such an extreme injury, Kat would have been rendered unconscious almost immediately. Apart from her injuries was the influence of alcohol. According to Dr. Boudreaux, Kat's blood alcohol content was 0.23, almost three times the legal limit to drive. Toxicology tests suggested her blood alcohol content was even higher earlier in the night. But due to Kat's drinking habit, her tolerance was probably very high. It's possible that the amount of alcohol Kat consumed did not incapacitate her enough to make her stumble to her death. Another witness for the prosecution, Stephen Payne, was a fingerprint examiner for the state. According to Advance Local, the position of Jeff's fingerprints pulled from the absinthe bottle revealed the way it had been held. Jeff's left thumb and left ring finger indicated the bottle was grabbed from its neck 
in an inverted position. In theory, that's the way someone would hold it if they were using it as a weapon. You guys have heard me talk about best fiends a lot. That's because in my humble but accurate opinion, it's the most fun and challenging match three style game out there. The other games seem like they're basically all the same, but with different scenery. Best Fiends is satisfying to play because it's similar to watching a great documentary that has your typical good guy, bad guy, and a great storyline. While playing Best Fiends, you encounter fiends, the good guys, and slugs, the bad guys. What's cool about the game is that I actually get to watch the fiends grow. And as I keep playing, the fiends grow and become more helpful to me as I work to complete the puzzles. I never feel like my brain is turning into mush, staring at my phone while I play. It's actually the opposite. Because Best Fiends is challenging and makes you think, it feels like my brain is getting a workout while I play. There are thousands of levels and new content added constantly, so there is no burning out or getting bored of this game. When I need a break from podcasting, I pick up my phone and there is always a new challenge waiting for me to conquer on Best Fiends. During COVID, so many things have changed. Like my local grocery store, the checkout line is always jam-packed because there are less employees working the registers, but I don't stress. That's when I play Best Fiends the most, and it's the best distraction. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. There have been so many times in my life when I've brushed an issue under the rug and then regretted not talking to someone about it. And we've all opened up to a friend before about issues but felt judged afterward. Talkspace makes working through issues so easy, and I'm certain anyone would feel much better talking to an unbiased, licensed therapist about issues so many of us face. You don't need to feel judged after opening up about troubles you're experiencing. You need to feel comforted and supported in order to move past anything that's holding you back. Talkspace not only matches you with a licensed therapist, but they offer therapy sessions right from the comfort of your home through live video sessions on your phone or computer. Once you sign up for Talkspace, you and your therapist can start messaging the same day. You can get individual or couples therapy, and you can also get any prescriptions you may need. If you're experiencing anxiety, depression, or any other issues, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you push past anything that's troubling you. If you're struggling right now, you are definitely not alone. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code MURDERISH. That's $100 off when you use code MURDERISH at Talkspace.com. Another point made by the prosecution was Jeff's lack of emotion. Officer Luigi Ragazzoni, one of the responding officers at the scene, testified that when he was documenting details for a report, Jeff had approached him. He asked what happened and confirmed that the body was that of his wife, Kat. When Officer Ragazzoni asked Jeff if they could talk inside, Jeff appeared very calm. His reaction, viewed on body cam footage, struck the jury as odd for a man who just learned that his wife was dead. 
Many people who were convinced of Jeff's guilt believed there was a way you were supposed to respond to such devastating news. But as defense lawyer John Robbins remarked to the advance local, people deal with stressful situations, trauma in different ways. Not everybody stands there and cries. He's a trained soldier. Soldiers are trained to keep their emotions in check. But Jeff's response, or lack thereof, didn't just strike the public as strange. Jeff's friend and co-worker Guy Carney testified about his unusual behavior. Carney had reached out to Jeff on January 14th after hearing the tragic news. Rather than needing emotional support, Jeff seemed intent on sharing what happened that night. As conveyed in the advance local, Carney had asked Jeff what he believed may have caused Kat's death. Jeff responded that in the past, Kat would walk around the backyard barefoot or jump on the trampoline while she was drunk. He wondered if Kat had hit her head on the trampoline or tripped on something in the front yard. Carney found it bizarre that Jeff seemed stuck on explaining that night's events rather than mourning his wife. While Jeff was scheduled to testify on his own behalf, he changed his mind at the last minute after speaking with his family. He told Judge Bill Bostick he preferred to remain silent. It's difficult to say whether Jeff's testimony would have helped or hurt his case. Nancy Martin, an unlikely witness for the defense, corroborated Jeff's assumption about how her daughter died. She testified about Kat's drinking habits, including her tendency to run around the house or dance outside while scantily clad and heavily intoxicated. During a court recess, defense attorney John Robbins spoke with the advance local. When asked what he thought the key factors against his client were, he said, We're in Shelby County. That's the key factor. We're in a very conservative county, a county that's very pro-law enforcement. She fell and hit her head. There's no murder here. Closing arguments presented by McBrayer for the prosecution tried to frame Kat's death as a result of jealous rage. As quoted in the advance local, he concluded, This marriage was not in a good place. This was a relationship on the rocks. The testimony given by Kat's parents in Jeff's favor carried a lot of weight. It made the state's largely circumstantial evidence seem a bit more flimsy than it may have been without Jeff's in-laws' public support of him. Ultimately, the burden of proof was on the state of Alabama. The jury would need to decide if they believed beyond a reasonable doubt that Kat's death was a direct result of Jeff's actions in order to land on a guilty verdict. While a murder charge remained on the table, the prosecution asked if the jury could consider a lesser charge of reckless manslaughter. The last-minute request by the prosecution made it seem as if they had doubts about the jury siding with them. The judge approved the prosecution's request, as there was room for doubt in the case. Defense lawyer John Robbins, surprised that the judge allowed this, decided to propose an even lesser charge of criminally negligent homicide, a misdemeanor, which Judge Bostick rejected. The jury deliberated for five hours before finding Jeff West guilty of manslaughter. After the verdict was read, the judge polled each jury member individually. The verdict had been unanimous. 
They just couldn't say for sure one way or another if Kat's death had been intentional. Landing on a manslaughter charge seemed to be a middle ground. True to character, Jeff displayed no emotion in response to the verdict. Following the trial, his $500,000 bond was revoked and he was held in jail until the sentencing hearing. On January 11, 2021, three years to the day that Kat was killed, Jeff West was supposed to be sentenced, but the pandemic pushed the date back to February 8th. Both Jeff's mother and his mother-in-law testified on Jeff's behalf. According to Medium, Sue West pleaded, I need my child. Logan needs her father. We need this to stop. This has been three years of terror and horror. Nancy Martin, Kat's mother, conveyed similar sentiments. CBS quoted her as saying, We've lost a daughter. Kathleen's daughter lost a mother, and she does not need to lose her father. We are hoping for leniency. Kat and Jeff's daughter, Logan, now 15 years old, also spoke at the hearing. As captured by the Associated Press, she said, He has always been my shield against the world. Please give me my father back as soon as possible. During the hearing, the defense and prosecution argued over semantics. According to CBS, prosecutors wanted Judge Bostick to consider a range of 10 to 20 years in prison, citing the bottle as a deadly weapon. But Jeff's attorney contended the bottle should be labeled a dangerous weapon instead. Because the bottle had been used in a death, the judge sided with the prosecution. Leniency was not at the forefront of his mind. Closing statements reflected just how much uncertainty remained regarding what happened that night. As referenced by CBS, Assistant DA Ben Fuller pointed out, he bears responsibility from start to finish here, and he just patently refuses to accept that responsibility even in the face of the jury imposing that responsibility on him. The defense continued to harp on Jeff's innocence. According to the news outlet, Robbins countered, it would have been physically impossible to not have blood on his clothing. It was the same clothing he had on when the police arrived, that he had on the night before. Robbins urged the judge to sentence his client to time served. Though Jeff remained silent during his trial, he chose to testify at his sentencing. According to CBS, through tears, he said, The last three years, I have missed every event in my kid's life. I lost my best friend. The slew of character witnesses and Jeff's emotional display did little to sway the judge. Judge Bostick later told CBS that the laws are designed to punish people not for who they are, but for what they did. Jeff West was sentenced to 16 years in prison, minus the three years he had served while awaiting trial. Ironically, his prison sentence will last about as long as his marriage. Following the hearing, Jeff was transported to the Kilby Correctional Facility for processing. In March of 2021, Jeff's attorneys filed an appeal for a new trial. Jeff is currently serving his sentence in Alabama State Prison and will remain there until 2034, unless the appeal is approved by the district attorney. In early April, Jeff's attorney, John Robbins, requested that the Calera Police Department return property seized during the initial investigation into Kat's death. 
According to the request, which has yet to be acknowledged, guns that were passed down from Jeff's grandfather were taken from the home and his truck. He argues that the weapons had nothing to do with his wife's death. Logan West, who not only lost her mother, but also her father to incarceration, is living under the care of both sets of grandparents. She visits her father weekly in prison. When asked by 48 Hours how they would like Kat to be remembered, Nancy Martin responded, a kind, caring person who loved her husband and loved her daughter very much. We may never know whether Jeff was a victim of circumstance or if he lashed out at his wife in a moment of blind rage. For Kat's parents, her daughter and her in-laws, perhaps believing it was all an accident, is enough to give them peace. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Murderish. Don't forget to follow my new podcast, Judgy and Juryish. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out Murderish.com if you want to buy Murderish t-shirts, face masks, coffee mugs, and more. If you want more Murderish content, go to Murderish.com, click the link to go behind the scenes, and become a Patreon subscriber. Patreon subscribers get immediate access to bonus content, as well as other perks, Thank you to Norma G for becoming a Patreon subscriber. I appreciate you, Norma. Also, follow me on Instagram at Murderish Podcast. I'm very active there. You can also find me on Twitter at Murderish Pod or on Facebook by searching Murderish Podcast. If you have 60 seconds of free time today, do me the biggest favor and give Murderish a five-star rating and review in your favorite podcast app. Positive ratings and reviews help new listeners find the show, and I also love hearing from you guys. Murderish is mixed and mastered by John and Jessica Buchanan of Audio Editing Solutions. Music is by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Allison Schwartz. Stick around after the closing music to hear a list of sources used for this episode. As always, Ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Sources for this episode include an Alabama Daily News article dated November 18, 2020 by the Associated Press, a February 8, 2021 People.com article by Ashley Boucher, an April 9, 2021 CBSNews.com article by CBS News, a Fox News article dated April 9, 2018 by Nicole Dara, a November 17, 2020 article in the Shelby County Reporter by Alec Etheridge. An April 5, 2021 CBS 19 WHNT article by Jordan Highsmith. An In Touch Weekly article dated June 13, 2018 by Emmy LaCroix. A 48-hour CBS News episode dated April 10, 2021 by Maureen Marr. A Medium.com article dated February 26, 2021 by Cassandra O'Hara. A February 8, 2021 CBS 42 article by Malik Rankin.
a November 19, 2020 article in the Advance Local by Carol Robinson, a November 20, 2020 article in the Advance Local by Carol Robinson.